Good evening, this is Dr. Daniel Guerrero, and this is Authentic Biochemistry Podcast, giving you a second episode on a Saturday, because tomorrow I have um, an event that I'm going to go to, and so I'm not going to be able to publish a lecture. This will be 13C in Immunometabolism, which of course is Biomedical Portrait 3. So... Go right back to where we were. Uh, we were discussing adipose and liver damage in association with senescence, and senescence linked to a process known as image aging, which is an immune response. And we were talking about, of course, the inflammasome, the NRLP3 inflammasome. We were discussing resident macrophage cells kupfer cells, and hepatocytes, all in damaged liver in the aging human. And particularly, we, we, we were finishing with liver sinusoidal uh, endothelial cells, and I talked a bit about those. Now, I want to tell you something about aging and the immune system, something I've covered in a very long series of extra lectures on aging, but now this is new material. Remember, there's a process not just with inflammaging, but with immunosenescence. And basically, this is a concept of the compromise of the immune system as one ages. And <laughs> the compromise can be either or, as all dialectical discussions in our lecture series um, strive for. Either or, remember, doesn't mean just two things. Either, for example, in this case, aging is associated with cellular defense mechanisms going down and cellular defense mechanisms going up or cellular defense mechanisms controlling facets of metabolism and cell fate that are not directly related to the immune response. So immunosenescence can fall into any one of those three um, basic parameters. It's still a dialectical accounting because it's still an either-or sublimation. But it is, with all either-or, there are actually three components. Tried to um, explain this from my philosophical point of view several times, and I'm not going to do it right now because I really want to get this into this lecture. So, <clears throat> aging immune cells become both dysfunctional and hyperfunctional, and that will include the phenotypes of relatively inactive to active in the wrong molecular environment or hyperactive in the wrong molecular environment or outside of that environment entirely related to a signaling process that we've been calling SAS, which is senescence-associated secretory pathway. And here, think about the secretion being pro-inflammatory cytokines from cells that are um, responding to a danger signal 
and the danger signal inducing an inflammation response, including a resorting of the chromatin so that a retailering phenomenon occurs, both at the level of canonical transcription factor binding, well, recruitment to the nucleus then binding, to response elements in the DNA, coupled with alterations of the epigenome, both methylation patterns and cytosine residues in CPG canonical islands, proximal to promoter regions or enhancer regions, enhancer region duplications as the result of epigenetic modification of specific nucleotides that include not just methylation, but the alteration of methylation to hydroxymethyl groups. Remember that methyl groups can be oxidized once they're added to nucleic acids, proteins, and of course lipids. That relative state of oxidation of that one carbon unit will alter the physiology and biochemistry of a system that had been impacted by the covalent modification. So we've discussed the details of that in many previous lectures. And right now, I'm just reminding you of it. And again, going now back to simply the immune response focus. Within the acquired immune response, we observe an increase in tumor necrosis factor alpha and a production of antibodies by B cells that have been converted to plasma cells. Now, the aged B cells will not produce autoantibodies and will not respond to signaling either from antipresenting cells, complement associated with antigen, or T cell synaptic interactions. However, the aged B cells still can be activated to produce antibody that is nonspecific. So these autoantibodies, these IgG molecules, because of the destruction of the recombination system in the aging B cell, now plasma cell, may generate repertoire of IgG molecules from previous, should be now extinct, antigen presentation response sequelae. And when this occurs, even the B cells that are no longer responsive to specific activation via, say, the uh, in situ B cell receptor, such as the IgM molecule, they nevertheless can start producing antibodies. And those antibodies can focus on antigens with similar epitopes found in the host cell, thus inducing an autoantibody, autoimmune system, completely unregulated by the induced immune response, which of course T and B cells normally function with un uh, under. There is also antigen-specific antibody production of single antibodies, so a large flooding of antibodies to a particular antigen. And this has to do, again, with the lack of the RAG system, that's the recombination system functioning in these aged B cells. So that's a major phenomenon. And when you see these aging 
B cells. When you observe them in culture, uh, once they've been isolated from the serum, interleukin-4, interleukin-10, and tumor necrosis factor alpha can be secreted by these cells. Now, the regulation by sirtuins has been examined, but the results come back either that sirtuins are inactive, that is, in deacetylating histones or ac removing acetate from polypeptides, or even nucleic acids, or that sirtuins are hyperactive, and that would require a high level of NAD+, which means some cells may be able to use salvage pathway to generate enough NAD solely for the purpose of regulating sirtuin-based deacetylation. This may be what's going on in these aged B cells. Now, plasma cells, as you know, are fully functional antibody-producing cells that come from the B cell lineage. I already explained to you what can happen with these plasma cells. Even though they are aged, they can still be um, responsible for secreting IgG molecules, which can wreak havoc on host tissues, so-called autoantibodies. And as I just uh, folded into this discussion, these plasma cells can also start generating essentially like a memory cell a fierce increase in antibody production to antigens which are no longer present. And when you get a high focus of antibody production, when the antigen isn't present, what can happen to those antibodies is themselves function in proteinopathies. During their synthesis in the glycosylation and the endoplasmic reticulum, thus corrupting the cell from which they're being generated, the cell in this case plasma cell, or being secreted in a high number and then binding to various surfaces because of the carbohydrate moiety on the IgG molecule interacting with cyclic proteins. And when that occurs, an inflammatory response can follow. If not an inflammatory response, sometimes what occurs in cells bound to these antibodies um, is uh, an induction of apoptosis. So you can see that these are a lot of issues that are all about immunometabolism. Now, the metabolic aspect of it, of course, has to do with the level of ATP synthesis so we can derive the whole bioenergetic component. Glycolysis is a preferred um, pathway for generating ATP as opposed to fatty acid for, via beta-oxidation because Beta-oxidation requires a, a process of translocating the fatty acids through the membrane, even if there's some storage triacylglycerol bound by perilipin. Some of the proteins associated with that perilipin outer surface of the oil droplet within the immune cells may not function correctly so that the amount of lipolysis, fatty acyl-CoA synthesis in the cytoplasm, acylcarnitine trafficking through the two members of the mitochondria, and ultimately even the expression of the uh, enzymes for beta-oxidation that should, should be occurring in the mitochondria can all be corrupted. 
So this is one way that metabolism is corrupted directly and indirectly. The direct way is by altering levels of NAD to NADH ratios, which we've already talked about, and because of the faulty nature of the salvage pathway in aging lymphocytes and sometimes other leukocytes. Okay. So that's all a very important issue. And that includes um, carbon-1 metabolism. So remember that methyl groups come from folic acid metabolism. We went through that recently via acetylenosimethionine. Remember the whole homocysteine transsulfuration reactions we also went through. These reactions tend to remove most of the bioorganic utilization of sulfur and high levels of inorganic sulfur can accumulate, inducing an immune inflammatory response. This also occurs in aging. Oxidative phosphorylation can be found to decrease in plasma cells, and that can, uh, when oxidative phosphorylation, when glycolysis is the major source of reducing power via the glycerol phosphate dehydrogenation, shelling of the reducing power into the mitochondria, when oxidative phosphorylation isn't functioning correctly, even with TCA function in the mitochondria, an interruption of the electron transport chain because of alterations of mitochondrial gene expression coupled with nuclear gene expression to give the proteome necessary to run the ETCOXFAS means that higher levels of reactive oxygen are also produced. This can generate TNF-alpha production from the plasma cells as well as the antibodies. Now, in terms of senescent-like T cells, which also increase you see a decrease in CERT1 activity, again, NAD deficiency, but also CERT1 is not being transcribed and translated at any high level because of the lack of protein synthesis because of the heterochromatin being generated. Not because CERT2 wasn't functioning to remove the acetate, but because the heterochromatin was already generated from a senescence-associated secretory phenotype. And remember the proteins involved there. And this can also lead to proliferation of T cells, which will further damage the immune and metabolic immune repertoire. There's also, of course, senescent T cells inappropriately synapsing with B cells. When that occurs, T follicular cells can also bind to the B cells. T follicular cells do not bind and then induce a T-cell response as efficiently as normal T-cells do. So this can decrease the efficacy of T-cell populations. They may be functioning as memory cells to control latent and subsequent recurring affection from now potent pathogen-associated phenotypes according to toll-like receptors that otherwise were never recognized that way because the T-cell was, was no longer or, or was not programmed to deal with um, foreign antigens that were only uh, normally resulting primarily for mild allergic reactions. Here, allergic reactions can be very powerful. And here, it has to do with the B- T follicular cell interaction taking over from the B T helper cell interactions. 
and interleukin ten, uh, 10 levels also have been known to increase here uh, from the T cells, in particular from the T, T follicular cells. And interleukin 10, of course, is immunosuppressive. T cell priming can also be diminished. That means the T cells functioning on uh, uh, in association with antigen presenting cells like dendritic cells, macrophages, etc., will not occur at a rate that is functionally prohibitive of a potential for a hyperimmune response. This occurs because the metabolic pathways in the dendritic cells and in the macrophages will also be corrupted because of aging. And we talked about this before, but macrophages that are decreased in glycolysis, TCA and oxfos will also find uh, we will also find a lower amount of NADPH produced because the oxidative pentosphosphate isn't functioning because glucose six phosphate is being used for basically anaerobic glycolysis and so glycolysis starts to shut down because pyruvic acid is just merely converted to lactate so you're getting no TCA involvement. And without TCA involvement, the ATP levels are going to drop. So the carbon then can be diverted to the oxidative pentosphosphate shunt um, preferentially because of the buildup of NADH, because of the lack of utilization of the NADH reducing power via the malate aspartate shuttle into the mitochondria. When that occurs, it has to do with transamination reactions becoming faulty as well, and amino acid flux into these cells. Remember, these, these are any senescent cells. Here we're talking specifically about immunosenescent T and B cells. But what you end up then uh, ultimately is a shutting down of the oxyapentosphosphate shunt, the, the um, shutting down of increasing the level of NADPH. And NADPH obviously is the major biological reductor for biosynthesis of necessary new membrane lipid among other things, cholesterol uh, lipids, cholesterol lipids, and sphingolipids because of turnover in the aging cell. But also NADPH is used in all the reactions involved in removing reactive oxygen. So, And then, then the only source really of NADPH would be malic enzyme. And that whole system is going to be corrupted because the malic aspartate shell is corrupted. Now with macrophages, you get less macrophage division. And because of that, the macrophages that are in circulation lose their normal functioning, so phagocytosis decreases. There is an increase during aging of myelopoiesis. This is a response to low levels of circulating myelogenic cell lineages, which has to do with receptor-mediated responses. Um, and when that occurs, you have immature myeloid type cells and the immature type myeloid cells can't produce pro-inflammatory cytokines but their other functions are no longer um, expressed because uh, the lack of transcription factors that would normally be induced because of the appropriate cellular cellular milieu which is no longer functional because of the alteration of, of bioenergetics and primarily um, carbon source shifting back to fatty acid oxidation same thing can be said by natural killer cells. Natural killer cell populations tend to decrease. Their activation decreases. 
this will generate then high levels of reactive oxygen because that's what happens in natural killer cells. They're burning up a lot of um, gl glucose and because they're burning up a lot of glucose, they're generating a lot of NADH. You're also utilizing with fatty acid. We'll move through the CD36 receptor and what you'll get is partial reduction of molecular oxygen, a vast increase in reactive oxygen in natural killer cell population. Centophil cells also will decrease with aging. And with neutrophils, because they are basically a very rapid turnover cell lineage, the myeloipoiesis that is occurring and induced will lead more to neutrophil biosynthesis, uh, neutrophil differentiation. And that neutrophil differentiation will lead to inappropriate chemokine signaling. Uh, and that chemokine signaling, because of lack of reception, will mean neutrophils will end up in courts where there's no infection meaning hyperinflammatory responses, again, in host cells. Let me check my time. Oh, yeah, we're doing fine. So hopefully you're getting the overall effect of not just aging, but alterations and corruptions in the immune response linked to dietary damage caused by overconsumption of kilocalories, generating an obesogenic state, providing the appropriate court in the adipose for infiltration of macrophages and dendritic cells, cinephils, basophils, mast cells, as well as T and B lymphocytes, triggering the inflammatory response from the adipose system both subcutaneous and visceral fat, sending the signals and altering glucose metabolism because of insulin desensitization, fatty acid lipolysis corruption, and the increase of circulating lipoproteins, delivering lipid cargo, not to correct cellular environs, but to extracellular regions where those fatty acids can be oxygenated and oxidized, generating a pro-inflammatory response. Right? Want to make sure I got that component in because it's uh, it, that, that's really where we're at. I'm trying to discuss here what kind of chronic diseases can lead to, for example, multiple sequelae of infections in the elderly but also in the obese. And it's not simply the obese, it's also the malnourished. Remember, obese people are also often malnourished. Malnourishment means not having the appropriate essentials in the diet. It doesn't simply mean more kilocalories than are necessary relative to exertion and the requirement for lipid to maintain homeostasis with the adipose acting as that major homeostatic organ. Think about the adipokines we talked about. So the reason we're putting it on the shoulders of the obese um, patient is because we're trying to talk about more common immunometabolic disorders that, for example, would be encountered in a clinic, either prodromally or maybe well advanced, and leaving it up to the medical profession to deal with 
a very, very complex immunometabolic pathology. And then uh, utilizing uh, what measures they normally would have for, say, type 2 diabetes, which is often also presenting, um, and using drugs that might well um, decrease glu circulating glucose levels, but the expense of corrupting further lipid metabolism, generating further dyslipidemia, which is the main issue with um, obese-associated diseases and diseases with aging as well. Dyslipidemia is the major cause of morbidity and indeed mortality because dyslipidemia will lead to cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, and of course, cancers. So that's why we're focusing on it. But obesity has been used, you see, remember when we talked about this um, in the animal studies, and I explained to you that many animal studies studying obesity and then all of the diseases that humans normally um, acquire because of obesogenic state, in the mouse model in particular, all the elegant knockout work and all the utilization of pharmacotherapeutics, some off-label, some on-label, some new, some older. The problem with those studies is that almost always to induce obesity in those mouse models, they use the high-fat diet. And I've explained to you by going into the literature how the high-fat diet has an effect on the murine system that is not the effect that it has on the human system. In the human system, it is more about not the source of the kilocalories, but the abundance of the kilocalories, that is dietary intake. And in fact, uh, when lipid is taken in the diet, fatty acids working through the lipoprotein, apolipoprotein-mediated responses will shut down transcription of, for example, low-density lipoprotein receptor, the uh, prenal lipid biosynthetic machinery, the fatty acid synthesis machinery, such that dietary lipid decreases in situ host cellular lipogenesis, thus maintaining a poise of lipid metabolism that can be still regulated as long as adipose doesn't sufficiently grow. Remember, moving that, because the adipose grows again by expansion, moving those cells farther and farther from uh, blood vessels, from the vasculature, I should say, such that oxygen tensions decrease, in which case the adipose then starts to go through dyslipidemia, fatty acid hydrolysis, and corruptions of glucose metabolism, insulin resistance, and we're back to the discussion we had at the very beginning of this uh, set of lectures. Okay. So I think, I think I still have some time. Well, I think I'm going to stop there. There's a dis there's a discussion I want to get into with this discrete nature of the corruption of the innate immune system, the acquired immune system, and specific innate and acquired immune cell responses. Now, a lot of this work is coming from this paper that we've been using off and on for the last three lectures. 
it will be in the show notes uh, tonight. It's a 2021 paper. Um, uh, and it's, I think it's in current opinion of pharmacology, I think was where that paper was first published. And we're going to go back and look at that again um, in some detail because it's a great uh, uh, current opinion of pharmacology. Yeah, 2021. Because that paper really had a lot of the um, content I'm covering here. Now, I've gone from that content and I've gone on to the literature to fill in all the gaps. And that's what we've been doing for the last uh, several lectures. Now I'm going to try to complete the suite of lectures by completing this paper. This is Dr. Dan Guerra um, from Authentic Biochemistry podcast on the last day of September leading into October, which is the best, my, my opinion, month in the year. Um, and more lectures, of course. This, I think, will be 13B because we're only going to do one more. Bye for now.